in the red room. Before the stars can be paid, there gotta be a dope ass story on the page. Let the beast about the cage that light about the dark. Can you build the inferno from the itty bitty spark? Coffee shop hustlers rise with the cream. A million of the writers, same Hollywood dream. Your pen and paper, all like bullets in the gun. Write what you feel, say what you want in the red room. We say what we say, we do what we feel. We gotta keep it real in the red room. All about the crap, a screen riot. Feel my bottle up with lightning up in the red room. So look, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get in. Yeah, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. Well, we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, everybody? 2016. I hear you not saying a damn word, Lisa. Because the Antichrist won the presidency. (laughs) Damien from The Omen has happened. He did? Oh, that happened in the movie, didn't it? And... Because Baron, his son, looks like yes. Damien from the movie. Yes. The, uh, the Twilight family has mm-hmm. gotten to the White House, y'all. <clears throat> I was just thinking but other than that, other than that just, I'm good. I'll just say real quick. I, you know what I was thinking this morning? The presidency, the presidency ain't shit anymore. <laughs> I don't think people should be. Oh, it was trash. Yeah, like, I, mean, I can run. I'm running next year. Next mm-hmm. year, or, w- w- four years from now, I'm mm-hmm. just writing my own name in. <laughs> people shouldn't aspire. Like, like you, you, know, people, you, don't, you don't need no people, resume. You don't need a resume. people are baby or kids, like, so what you want to be? Fireman, president. Ain't no one gonna say that no more. Yeah, you don't need to chump. You don't need to be in office right now. You don't need to be a former senator or governor anymore. You ain't gotta have no pedigree. At least Bush was a former governor. At least least he has some experience in in policy. You know? You know? This motherfucker. But anytime you vote somebody in who's racist, xenophobic, sexist, and everything else, and you can still. and, And you can still say, yeah, but give him a chance. Mm, fuck you. Well, let's talk about that. First, let me set this up really quick. You guys know you guys listen to the, the election room. just went past, so you, you know we still listen high. to the rant room. Yes, on this show we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, and sometimes politics. <laughs> <laughs> deal with it, bitch. Deal with it. Um, so you hear Lisa Bolakaja to the left. Yeah. You feeling real good today, ain't you? Yeah, you know what's funny. Good you know, mood, you? Can I look, 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 look. Yo, gather, gather around, you. Yeah, this is the no, Sunday listen, after listen. the election. Listen, listen, listen. So. Real talk, though, mm-hmm. low-key real talk, <laughs> like, all the stuff that people are upset about, like, as a black person, mm-hmm. I'm like, y'all don't have your wake-up call. Like, we've been, <laughs> we've been through this for, like, historically, whatever, but it's, like, mm-hmm. interesting to see how other people who believe in stuff, like other people of color, mm-hmm. especially those other people of color who've come from different countries, who, who, who are American citizens, mm-hmm. but maybe they come when they were young, and they've been brought up to believe a certain thing, mm-hmm. and they never want to listen to black people when we try to tell them, especially mm-hmm. black women. Black women, shout out to you because you were the only one that was trying to hold it down for the country. Sure, they're the ones who showed up and voted. Y'all voted. Yeah. It was and a high number black, of black now, women who yeah, voted for And we for might Hillary. not have agreed. White women yes. didn't even vote for yes. Hillary. Yes. I think there's more. Uh, well, I'll tell you, tell you last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those, yes. numbers, okay, yeah. those numbers are skewed. Yeah. But, yes. I, but, but, but look, I agree with you. I feel that non black people of color. Don't know what the hell this country's really about. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a really fascinating article that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote like in the last couple of days that says the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y'all need to see what's up. Because, see, like I always feel that non-black people of color don't give black people enough dap for taking the 
you know, the dogs and the water cannons in the 60s hmm. to allow them to thrive and survive in the 70s and 80s when they came over here. Because Listen, you know, listen. I, I always tell y'all all the time, family, listen. Black people have always been the buffer for everybody else. We hold up all the sky for y'all, <laughs> and we tie it. So in a way, with Trump becoming president, mm-hmm. I feel like I can take a vacation for a little bit mm-hmm. and let some of y'all, because I saw how Wilshire Boulevard, mm-hmm. they were shutting it down the oh, other yeah. day. I was like, thank, was God, thank God we wasn't doing the podcast yesterday, because yeah. I sure would have been like, look, I really want to march with y'all, <laughs> but I need to get over here to Hollywood and hang out and do what I need to do, whoop-de-whoop. But, you know, like I said, I feel like it's a wake-up call for a lot of people. A lot of us been woke, and I feel like I... I'm going to be really curious to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes you got to go low. You got to hit bottom before you can go up. Yep. Uh, apparently, no one listened to Michelle Obama when she said, when we go high, you know, they go low, we go high. Mm-hmm. Apparently, we decided to go low. Well, it's funny. You know, I was thinking okay. about how okay. I was watching that. I, every once in a while, to make myself smile, you know, you watch some mm-hmm. shit just to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. And this week, it was those um, those those black Kids that 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 sing, they sing all that um, Michael Jackson, Janet mm-hmm. Jackson Five stuff. They just fucking kill it. Mm-hmm. And every time I watch it, I'm like, see, this made my day. Yeah. So the yeah. thing that's been getting me besides this week is mm-hmm. I went back and watched Michelle Obama do the carpool karaoke. Oh yeah. With Miss, Miss, Miss Missy Elliott. Elliott. Yeah. And I was like, we will never. You will never. Have, dude, you need to watch it. Never. Wait, 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 wait. Never. Carpool karaoke. I know. Yeah. They did one with Michelle Miss Obama and, and Missy Elliott. Yeah. I know they did two songs. I need to see that. I need to see that. It's off the fucking chain. And she is in it. She fucking forgot all about the fact. That they were driving around the White House, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. She's like, fuck them bitches. We having fun. Right, right. This is what I do with my kids in right, my car. Right, it was right, one of those right. moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, we would never have would anybody ne- like And do you see her, her new layout in Vogue? Yeah. Bitch, she was you would never. In your lifetime. Never. And, I mean, I know I was hopeful to see a, a woman finally get into the office. You know, just one of those things, those class ceilings, all that stuff. But I feel grateful that in my lifetime, I've seen a black president, a black first lady, black a family that's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And just just on point, and just really mm-hmm. brought a lot of hope to a lot Elegant. of people. Yeah, Everything. just classy, and not in the kind of like I don't mean classy in, in the kind of way where we're talking about respectability politics, but I mean like genuine, gentlewoman, gentleman. Mm-hmm. No scandals either. No scandals. None. Like Michelle. Scandals trying Michelle, to put on them though. Uh, Mich- look, I from wish, Trump's I wish somebody would come <laughs> up and do something. Michelle uh-huh. ain't having that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like, whoever, too, whoever, bitch. whoever put that protective circle, <laughs> exactly. they put it down. But yeah. you know, for me, getting through it, it was like watching like Star Trek stuff. Like mm-hmm. this last couple of days, I've just been like reading my Star Trek fan fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at old episodes of Star Trek. Of course, my favorite, The Voyage Home. Because mm-hmm. I always feel like I need to see something hopeful. That's a little bit more progressive, mm-hmm. especially when Star Trek comes from a time in the 60s when there was a lot of upheaval, you know, MLK was assassinated, there was just so much going on. So I really had to, like, put myself in a space of hopefulness and, of course, the Vulcan edict of, you know, infinite <laughs> diversity and infinite combinations. You know, you got to, like, do what you got to do for self-care. Yeah. So I know a lot of people were just upset, but I'll get I, over it. I mean, I'll get over it. I wasn't. And Chris has some interesting philosophies about you know, the whole voting thing in the first place, which I find interesting, but everybody does, mm-hmm. you know. Um, why don't you just give them a little piece of what you think Uh-oh. about the black and white vote, if you don't mind sharing that, about uh, how you think of Because I made a comment about how um, people are saying the blacks didn't really come out to vote. Oh, we did. Right? 
But I, you said, know, I said they yeah. said. Well, oh, oh, okay. And then the Voting Rights Act now, was just yeah. canceled. Now, now, so see, please, see, okay, please. This, is a, this is something that this kid was telling me the other day, and I kind of extrapolated on it. But I feel this is a possibility. Do you, okay, do you remember in the, in the late 80s and early 90s when black cinema was coming out? Yep. And we're getting big again. And there, and there was always that scandal about, I want to go see, you know, do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But then the ticket said, you know, die hard on or something like yeah. that. <laughs> How do we not know that's not what's happening with the vote right now in terms of the exit polls? Like, oh, black people did vote for Trump. We don't know if that is true or not. Because we can't trust numbers anymore. You can't trust the media. You know, yeah. you know like that, that dude, Nate Silver, with his 539 mm-hmm. psych, like all his money, he's out, assed out. He needs to stop <laughs> everything. It's just like, you know what? Because mm-hmm. what I was saying last night is you can take your numbers, you can crunch everything. This would be, this would be a really sweet movie with AI type of situation mm-hmm. because they're going to be thinking about what probability and stuff like that. You cannot quantify irrational racism. Damn. <laughs> That's a good theme now. You can't. A damn yeah. AI would be like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. Y'all don't like black people? Yeah. I, I, I don't understand. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. crazy. So, I mean, so there's, there's that, I think, going on. I think there's a, I, I just feel like it doesn't make any sense for anybody black to have voted for Trump. And for them to have put that, those numbers out there, it's just a positive that, you're probably taken from the column of, of other people, mm-hmm. like the white man column. We can't say that every white man voted, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. We got to put some in the black columns to make it look. What was it, like 70-something percent of no, white men? No, no, it wasn't that high. You 63? Think, it was something. It, it, no, was, it was low. It, was, it, it wasn't as high as you think it is. I could swear I saw a number. And I was like, that's not true. It can't be. It can't be, yeah. you know, because there's the thing. It could be that 100% mm-hmm. of the vote. Mm-hmm. Voted for a white men could have, could have voted for Trump because we know that half the country didn't vote, you know. Okay. And there's and then there's the other half of the ones who did vote who voted for Hillary. So you so you could say that all the people who voted for Trump were white men. You could say that, and you may not be wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, there's more of them. Yeah, you know, there's more, and, and and then you say we and that's the number we're not going to put out there. Yeah. Well, so we gotta like so so we're gonna change the accounting. Well, mm. here's a good thing, and this is where it's important because one of the things whenever we have social upheaval and social trauma and political dastardly duos, Damn. you know, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> I mean, listen, I mean, come on, you can't have, you can't have a wet crouton looking mofo. <laughs> Sitting up, like did you see the pictures when they sat and met and shook hands? Yeah, we and like, like he don't, he doesn't, I, like he instills no confidence in mm-hmm. me. He don't look healthy because he didn't know he was going to win. He he gonna have to work. And this is this yes. is this is gonna yes. be the beauty. This is gonna be the beauty. Yes. And this is where the calls to my ancestors mm-hmm. <laughs> will come through. Because here's a man who. The truest sense of a narcissist. He comes from new money too. Mm-hmm. He not old money. You know, okay, this is what old money looks like. But he was born well, listen, into listen, it. Listen, listen. Oh, no, not really. His dad, well, his dad had some money, but they were, they weren't old money. Like okay. old money is like Anderson Cooper's mama. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. old money, like, th- this is a good, Gloria Vanderbilt. Go Google it. Google, Google, bitches Google. <laughs> if you want to see what old money look like, Anderson Cooper. Exactly. If you want to see what new money look like, Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Cheeto dust. Because there's a difference between new money and old money. And mm-hmm. he definitely, come on, you all seen, okay, raise your hand out and you've been to Trump. Kid. If you've ever yeah. been to Trump Towers uh-huh. or gone to his hotels in New York, tacky. 
Oh, does Go, so does Go, does Go got to be on every goddamn thing? Like it's gotta, it's really tacky. So, so tacky. It's like MC Hammer's yeah. stylus yeah. is his stylus. Or like fucking. <laughs> why, why are you gonna put that on MC Hammer? Or the Hearst Tower, the Hearst Castle, or some shit. It's nasty. It's, but, yeah. Look, I, this this is what I put on MC Hammer because if he had money, I wouldn't have to say anything. In fact, he ain't got no money anymore. Means you know what? You're open for criticism. Why you leave? You leave Nancy Hammer? No. But anyway, this is an important time because now in these times of upheaval, this is when artists are are needed more than ever. And I think this is something I really want us to get into, even though we kind of veered into politics. Because look, let's be real. It's this it's is global. There. It's global, and this is an embarrassment. Whenever yeah. I got my my relatives. Texting me from Italy, going, "Y'all got a Berlusconi." I'm like, "Shut up!" Yeah, y'all ain't gonna make it. <laughs> y'all got y'all, y'all, y'all ready see, to come on home. But see, the, the 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 terrible thing is, yes, Trump is Trump is old, and Trump and Trump never released his tax returns or his health records. Remember, mm-hmm. his doctor was some fixer, so we don't even know if he's really that healthy. The worst thing is if he has to. What's the 25th Amendment? They they, they put you down for a minute. Mike Pence. It's, his, even it's, even, it's even worse. So it's like he really set it up, you know. But it's like I was telling you yesterday. Mm-hmm. He really needs to be, you know, horse whipped <laughs> for even mentioning Sarah Palin in conversations yeah, in the man, cabinet. That's crazy. I mean, what's that? And, and, and look, Gangrish, Guiani, Chris Christie, and Sarah Palin should not be mentioned in ben, any kind ben of situation. Carson. Oh, yeah, Ben Carson. Mr. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Grain silos for the pyramid, man. You know what? Here's your own news. Okay. (laughs) Damn. Like it's your own news. Well, this is where art will save us, and art will always uh, give us hope. It always inspire. And so, what I want us to talk about is two things. Number one, we've all seen the movie Moonlight, Mm -hmm. and I really want to talk about how that movie was made from a, a script standpoint. And then the idea of because I know I don't know if y'all saw it on Twitter. I know y'all follow me on Twitter, YouTube. Mm-hmm. But some random like black radio or black something. I don't know. I thought it was like Hotep Twitter because hmm. it was like they're supposedly they represent like media black people media a consortium of black media whatever. And so all I this is all I did. I tweeted out how much I enjoyed Moonlight, encouraged people to go see it. Yeah. And then they came at me like, oh well, you know, you're encouraging, you know. Black men and why is people, why are people, you know, black people watching this movie? Why are you praising it? Because <laughs> it's gay. So no, no, and this is what I said. So I'm trying to figure out what your issue is. Are you homophobic? Ah. Or are, and then it was all of a sudden it was like, oh, why are you name calling? Now I could have easily. So then they threw it back on you like. And then, no, no, no. Here's the thing. They had a phone number. I was so tempted no. to call. I might call this weekend <laughs> after a couple of drinks. Because when you put your phone number on your Twitter yeah, feed yeah, and you're supposed you to be the media smooth, thing, then you're you, 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 you yes. get the call. You're going to get yeah, a call. Yeah. And like my real thought was what, like, in a time of so many few black projects that come out, especially those that are just brilliant, mm-hmm. like, whatever your issue is, if you don't like the movie, it's not for you. You ain't got, like, it's one thing if you put your opinion out there. Mm-hmm. It's one thing when you, and, it, and I went to their feed. Mm-hmm. So let me see who these bitches are. Let me go through their timeline. Mm-hmm. They were, they were, Tweeting actors in the movie, hmm. they were going to different people saying, "Why are you in this movie?" What I mean, they were just really negative. And I'm thinking to myself, so was "Why?" It a gay thing? It, I'm telling you, I'm I'm pretty sure it was. Something that has to because be. they were always saying, "Oh, so it's a negative movie. It's pertaining stereotypes." You know, Janelle Monae is a trap queen and all this stuff, and <laughs> a you know, and I'm like, <laughs> but this is the difference between when you giving nuanced characters mm-hmm. compared to stereotypical characters. Mm-hmm. So I want to jump into the idea of black films when we show those types of the underbelly of life where we've seen those stories before and maybe there might be a there might 
being honest, but, someone looking at it going, oh, that might be a stereotype. But if you haven't seen a movie. But here's the trip well, about that. Chris and I, you know, we're both we're both on the committee of black writers at the at the at the Writers Guild. So we had a screening, us and the LGBT mm-hmm. committee. We did a screening at the Writers Guild Theater. Was Barry Jenkins there? Did you guys have Barry Jenkins? Yeah, Barry was there. Barry's there. Okay. And Shout out to Barry Jenkins. Yes, definitely. Um, really cool cat. Really yeah. cool. Very smart. Yeah, yeah. As white people always say, he's so well spoken. He's so well spoken. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and we did a screening, Chris. Now I know most of the gay motherfuckers in the fucking guild. First of all, right. Because I'm on the committee. Right. It was probably 90% straight people there. I might exaggerate. Well, there's a lot of white people there. Yeah, and, there and it was probably 40% was white, white people the, in The there. two times I went to go see you know it I mean? at my movie theater in San Diego, two times filled up white people. I, I was the yeah. only black person in one screening, and then the second one I went to, there was one other black person. And then when I looked down, I realized, oh, it was a homie of mine. I was like, but you, you didn't call nobody? You said you wasn't coming at this one. Like, yeah. I, I, I decided to come. So yeah. I ended up sitting next to that person. It was mm-hmm. like, hey, how you doing? But it was like, it was white. And it's straight people mm-hmm. going to see this movie. But, mm-hmm. see, see, but see, here's the thing. The movie... I would say, I haven't seen a lot of gay cinema. I mm-hmm. have seen it. I wouldn't say this is gay cinema in a sense because. Oh, that. So we could just get the audience. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Moonlight. Premise, okay. You know, yeah. Moonlight, basically, it's a story it's told in three phases. There's the word for it. Is it triptych? What is that it's word triptych. for three? Triptych. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, and it's three different times of this character's life. A young black boy starts off as a boy and Sharon. And uh, is it Sharon? Sharon. 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 Ch- I Chiron? think it's old. Sharon. Oh. But they called him Black, and they also called him a bunch of other nicknames yeah. they had. Yeah. So, you know, they have this character, and you get to see him when he's a little boy, like eight, 10. Eight, maybe eight, 10, yeah. At least 10. 10. All right, give him 10. We'll give him okay. 10. Give him 10. Um, and then he, when you see him as a teenager, and then you see him as an adult. Oh, my God, he was so fine as an adult. And I was like, just be fluid. I mean, his body was I mean, I'm like, look, 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 look. <laughs> this, this, is, this is a straight person to me. Look, look, this is the heterosexual. Even I was like, wait, wait. He's kind of cute. Because, you know, this is my bias as a heterosexual. Uh, like, be, be fluid. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I like girls in Just give us the hope. <laughs> but anyway, it's told these three phases and the way it's told, it's not it's like I almost want to call it like like Miles Davis's sketches of Spain, like sketches of this person's life told mm-hmm. in three phases. And so we'll just leave it at that. So go ahead. So alright, so <clears throat> the movie I think was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think someone told me, I think Effie Brown told me it was like a million dollars. So wow, really? I don't know if that mm-hmm. sounds about right. I mean, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could tell the community came and let them. It was almost like, and trying to interrupt you, it was almost like when they shot in the in the jungle in Training Day. Yeah. Because um, the, the main dude, the blood, was like, he told the homies they're going to shoot there. You could tell yeah. the community came and allowed right. them. Right. Well, it felt but, the same to I mean, me. I mean, it did, but you think <laughs> they had it, access it, that you would never it, have I before. Mean, well, okay, the street corner, yes, yeah. and then maybe in in the middle story, their 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 housing projects, yes. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of it is what? It's in a restaurant. It's in a house. It's in it's it's in a couple of houses. It's in mm-hmm. uh, uh, the beach. Beach. You know, it's like you know. But but because of that, school. All school, that. Yeah, school, 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 they had a lot yeah, of locations. School. Right, school right. Regardless of that, it just, it was a story, you know what it reminded me of? And particularly the scene at the end of the second, the second segment, mm-hmm. the movie The Tribe. Ah, you know, yes. that's what you were telling us yes. about. See, yes. because the tribe, is a, the tribe is a story. It's just, it's like a Czech story or something right. like that. And, and, it's, and it's all, it's all about these people who are at a deaf school. They're deaf school. No subtitles and they just talk in sign language and you gotta figure it out 
as mm. you, you just their 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 body language tells you the story. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating, and it's brutal at the end. Go, go, go check out my review it, on Bitch Flicks mm-hmm. about it. The drive, yeah. but but it's a, see similar type of thing. He's a guy who's an outsider who wanted mm-hmm. to get in. He just wants to belong. See, it's a story like that. See, mm-hmm. it's because it's not really a story. I mean, you know this. He's not. Coming out as gay, he's not presenting no. himself as. Always. He never says it. He never, never says it at all. No. It's never said. It's it's basically like I'm being assaulted mm-hmm. by my community because I'm different. Because mm-hmm. I need to and, be who I need to be, you know, and, and I feel me. like that. Mm-hmm. That's why the story is fascinating because it's a universal thing where anybody who's felt different mm-hmm. gets picked on like that. If, well, let me tell you, know, you. If you come to a new school, that when he was a kid. It moved me so because I was him. Mm-hmm. We just moved into the neighborhood. We all talked white, so right. to speak. Right. You know what I right. mean? Right. And then we were in a fucking gang infested right. neighborhood. So we were like the sore thumbs. So until I was older, like middle school, we moved there when I was seven, until I was in middle school and started learning how to fight and started doing martial arts was the first time I started learning how to defend myself. So when he finally defends him, I was almost ready to go, uh, like to I know I was, I was like, beat that you ass. Whoop like, that, whoop that whoop trick. Whoop, whoop, whoop that whoop, trick. Whoop, Get it. Yes. I was saying to myself that whole time, I, it was an interesting moment of, of, this is what I fascinated with the movie. That's a great suspense piece. Mm-hmm. That's a great moment of like Hitchcock at the best because mm-hmm. he's walking to school and I'm saying to myself, "You see the build up too. He goes through the door. Could, he does this. I he does said, this." The filmmaker could, the filmmaker could pull some shit and just like cut away, and we don't know what mm-hmm. happened. We don't see how he like takes his revenge. We don't get that. And we was, had to, you know, but we had to show it to us. He didn't have to. You had to. In we order for you, we had to see it. We wanted to. As an audience, as an audience yeah. person, I needed that. to see that. Yeah. Yeah, you want that, yeah. and that's what you say to yourself. He doesn't have to do that. Yeah. He, because he didn't show us, you know, like the time when he broke with the kid at the beginning, mm-hmm. there was moments in there I was like, wait a minute. You now know what your mom does, when you, and, and, and you know, and what homie does for you know to, to play your mom. Is Where's that next scene? So right. there's that scene in that one that mm-hmm. I was like, he does not. He's not showing us that scene we want to see, and that's why I felt like he, which is a great European trick. Mm-hmm. He could have not shown us that scene at the at the, there at the end of the third, and it held it till at the yeah. end to the yeah, third point, and totally. we just heard about it later. Uh-huh. Right. And that, and that's why I was like, okay, because because he proved that he he he's playing with us that way with his narrative. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, that's why this is dope. And when it happened, I was like, that's right. <laughs> Chris, did you say that out loud, that's audience? Right. <laughs> we had to jump in going, going out. That's right. Because <laughs> yes. Okay. Because that's the part that was me. Right. Because, mm-hmm. like, I was in high school a few times, and uh, I got into some trouble with some people, mm-hmm. and I used to just, you know, and I used to really fuck, uh, figure, and I tried to, and I was really short in high school. I was like 5'4", and I graduated high school. Really? Yeah. So I had this thing where I was trying to figure out. I was 5'6", in high school. <laughs> that's yeah, funny. So I was trying to figure out how to get back at people who would fuck with me. And, mm-hmm. I, and so shit like that, like, that's what I did one time to somebody. Mm-hmm. Now, not to that extent. But I knew that sense of you, had, you, mm-hmm. you come to school mm-hmm. with a plan at eighth period. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do something to somebody. Yeah. How's it going to go down? And yeah. your whole day, you can't focus on anything else mm-hmm. but that. Mm-hmm. I was like, I get that. Yes. I, this is why I get yes. this movie. And, I, and that to me is why yes. I think this woman you're saying on Twitter is fucking up on a high level. Because, excuse me. Um, because... It's not a gay story. It's, well, it's, it's, I, it's I'm saying it's a dude. It's, I know the, the person I'm talking about, if you look at my feed, I know it's a dude mm-hmm. because only a dude will come after. Because a lot of the people he was going after making comments was two women. And mm-hmm. only a black dude 
I'm being very specific since it's a black media thing. <laughs> Only a black dude feels comfortable to step to a black woman they don't know to try to right. tell them what they can mm-hmm. or not do. Right. Right. And I'm calling you. Don't think I forgot. It's Sunday. <laughs> you got your phone number. I will be calling tonight, and we're going to have a little discussion. But, you know, it's one of those movies where, because I remember there was people who were saying, oh, well, you know, it's a gay film. It's like, it's not. It's a story, like you said, it's about outsiders trying to be who they need to be Correct. and having that that external push to try to crush them before Mm -hmm. they can be that. There's so many intersections, not just about being black, not just about being black and gay. It's dealing with class, too, and poverty. It's dealing with drugs. It's also dealing with misconceptions about people. One of the things I thought was so effective is the, the moonlight. It made you do some work. In terms of yeah, thinking, you have to, think. you have you to have figure to think. out what was going on. Mm-hmm. Like the whole, there's a character named Juan in it who, oh my God, Mr. <sighs> he's so sexy to me. <laughs> Even when he's playing a bad guy, I mm-hmm. love him. Oh, from Luke Cage? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That relationship. Oh my God. Him. Look, look. They subverted because when I was watching with the white audience, and as soon as you see a yeah. big black dude yeah. on there, and I'm telling you, like, because I'm one of those people who sit in the back and I mm-hmm. listen to what people are saying, mm-hmm. they fed on that trope. Uh, the big yeah, bad black guy, like, and is he, he going to be, be a pedophile? Uh-huh. The way the sh- and it sh- and it, you could just feel the tension in the audience as soon as that little boy showed up. The first thing people were thinking, mm-hmm. you know, was this: me on the other hand, yes. Door. Or when he's talking, hey, little boy, yeah. what you doing? You want to come eat yeah. now? Me coming mm-hmm. from those places and mm-hmm. knowing men like that, mm-hmm. my first was reaction wasn't necessarily, oh, it's a pedophile, mm-hmm. even though my radar was up. My first thought was, this is like one of the home dudes that yeah. would he be saw on the corner. Himself in him. He's one of those people that, yeah, he's doing these drugs and mm-hmm. stuff, but that's home. That's big Mike on the corner mm-hmm. who got his mom. Mm-hmm. He got a couple, you know, he's handling this he got business. Some shit to take care of. You know what? Yeah. yeah, he's in this, like this, you know, the pharmaceutical street mm-hmm. pharmacist kind yeah. of thing. But he's got a good heart. So it was interesting to see the play of the audience and where He was three-dimensional. Well, yes. Well, that's but, what it was. To me, what I thought you could have gone with that is... Because it reminded me of one of those like child soldier stories yes. in Africa. I was yes. like, oh, he can recruit this kid mm. right. and teach him how to be a fucking ruthless killer right. you know, from jump. Right. And get him to trust you. Get him to trust you. Mm-hmm. And, and now... Here's your nine. Take mm-hmm. care of that kid, right. you know, because who's gonna, because who's gonna, you know, like be wary of a little kid with right. a nine because of the nine. Right. So I, I mean, look, the story. It's okay. There was a movie I was watching just the other day again, and it just reminded me a lot of it. this movie called The Reader. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen this movie? This yeah. with um, oh, that's Kate Warman. Winslet. Yes, Kate Winslet. Yeah. It's a fascinating fucking movie about mm-hmm. this. It's a similar kind of story. A guy who doesn't really fit in mm-hmm. with, is in Germany with, with his surroundings. is kind of an introvert, blah, blah, blah. And he meets this older woman, and she like teaches him about life and about sex. And then she disappears from his life. Mm-hmm. And he didn't understand what happened. And then he's like totally, you know, like caught off guard and doesn't trust people after that anymore. Anyway, it's just like a, in this similar story. I don't want to tell what this reader is about, but I don't want to ruin it. Um, <laughs> Please, it sounds like it's old. Look, the reader is kind of been it's out. Like, it's like ten years. Okay, it's, yeah. so, so, okay, so, so yeah. what happens is this ain't no spoiler. This ain't no spoiler. Okay, spoiler. okay. It's a year. okay. <laughs> he's it's called the reader because the guy part of his his making love process to the girl to mm-hmm. Kate Winslet is the boy is that he reads stuff to her. And you think, and he thinks, and you think, oh, he, she just wants to hear these stories told, to, you know, told. But, yeah. then he, but then you find out she can't read, hmm. and so and it's her biggest shame. Hmm. And then later on, you find out she was like she worked at a death camp, and there's a moment where they're trying to pin 
all this, 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 like several, like hundreds of murders on her. Mm-hmm. It's either her or these other five women as well. And they're like, well, so show me your handwriting so we can see if, if you wrote. Oh, I did see that. You know, I like, you know, like yeah. if you yeah. wrote in this book. Mm-hmm. That's she, forgettable because yeah, you're like, I, I like, can't think. Uh-huh. And she forget, and, and she won't do that mm-hmm. because she's like, I can't. It's like the shame is even more hard for her to deal with that you know I can't read than me killing people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like. That's She'd rather take the blame. Take the blame. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what's so fascinating about like Moonlight. It's like, mm-hmm. like you look at people and they're making decisions about their life because they don't want to – they're dealing with shame. They're right. dealing with these issues of I can't deal with this pain. Well, that, that reminds you know. me of in the beginning, in the first story, Sharon was all about silence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How in the hell – they didn't have rehearsal on this movie. Did you know that? What's her name, Michelle Monet? She showed up for two or three days and shot <laughs> all her, her stuff. Thing. Yeah, in two or three days, I was like, "Bitch, go on and work your shit." Yeah, Ali was there. He was <laughs> in the middle of, of filming Luke Cage at the same time as this and some other project. It's crazy, you I'm, know. I'm gonna come fast. down real quick. I'm, I'm gonna come down for a, for a weekend or some shit. Yeah, crazy. come through and you know? do my and, lines. And, oh, there's some weird story about what's her name, um, Naomi Harris. She couldn't get her a visa right, mm-hmm. so they had to reschedule the whole thing to get her to shoot her out in three days. Yeah. Oh, that's the, the one. That was yeah, yeah damn it, yes. The whole thing. They were like, okay, you know what? I was mm-hmm. like, wow. And she give kill ass. And they shit? shot in order. Oh my pretty, god. Apparently. god, they pretty much shot in order. He yeah, said. it's just it's you know it's one of those things. Like I said, I I I, I remember I tweeted out. It's like it's a meditation and a requiem for mm-hmm. for for tender-hearted black boys who mm-hmm. don't get to be who they need to be. And it's one of those movies that you know. You don't have to be a gay person, you know, to go see it and feel like, oh, it's not for me. No, this movie is for everybody. And not only for everybody, but also if you're a filmmaker in terms of how to tell a story and how to do it creatively, how to do, how to use music effectively, you know. Okay, let's talk about how. How to use silence effectively. Let's talk about how he'd use the lens and let it would just sit. Oh, my God. He wouldn't even move. He wouldn't cut. It would just be sitting there for like. Almost yes. a minute and yes. some shots, and I was sitting there getting edgy at first, and then I realized, and Chris and I were talking about this later. I was like, "Oh, that's his fucking style. That's his style." You know what I mean? I was like, "Why haven't we changed the shot?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Change the shot." And then I realized, "Oh no, bitch, leave it there. Leave it there." Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, see, <laughs> you know, it's this whole thing that I always, I, I, it's a, I notice this a lot in TV. I mean, in movies now, is that it's just an influence in television. Because television has this. Has this kind of design where they they cut a lot too edits. much, yeah. You it's know, like a music video, yeah. They, they, they cut a lot for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and you know what people tell you in, in in classically editing film, not to say classic films, but like your thing is you cut to tell the story mm-hmm. when there's like kind of like the uh, the beat change right. in mm-hmm. a scene. You know, maybe it's just a change in the sentence. Oh, boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom. That's when mm-hmm. you, that's when you're cutting or a new point of view. You, right. point, you, know, right. you know, I mean, you know, and it's like so. What what he did, he did, and he said this. He he, he is influenced by a lot of European filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Well, he wrote the whole script yeah. over there in what, Thank you, Jesus. Brussels or yeah, something. You yes. know, and, and it's like, okay, this is what I want to model my behavior after. Mm-hmm. How I want to tell the story because you can't tell this story. 
the way that you would a typical film that would cost this much or mm-hmm. be this type of, or just some kind of like you know poverty class of a story, kitchen sink drama, sure. which you know which you'd see these things and they look they'd be bland looking and all this kind of stuff. And he just takes uh, there's only a few moments where he takes like these flights of like you know like surreal fantasy, sure. which are great. Like mm-hmm. when, when when he's put his face in the water, right? He's blood right. And, you know, or when Nama Harris is coming back backwards yeah. slowly, yeah. like yeah. oh my yeah. god, yeah. I yeah. love yeah. that. Yeah. Like, yes. it's so dope because yeah. that. That is like that's what you want to do in the store and telling your story. And it's like I feel that American film is so well. He talked about that opposed scene. to that. They're he talked so about that scene where Naomi Harris turns and looks at him directly right. in the camera. Yeah, like he was like he was he just saw it in the, in a moment and said just look in the camera and say something. Yeah, because it makes was. you yes. him. Yes. And, she, and like I swear to God, I felt like I was ten, and my mom was yelling mm-hmm. at me again because when you live in poverty and things ain't going well for the parents, and they take that shit out on you, mm-hmm. like every time he went to the house, I was tense because it was like I don't know who yes. will be in the house, Correct. dude, it's old dude, like what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like I, I just the tension just ratcheted up for me, and mm-hmm. every time you saw her, I just thought, oh my God, I know women like this. Mm-hmm. And they try their best, but sometimes mm-hmm. life just beats them down and they just take it on you. So to have that scene where she's like looking straight at the thing, like literally I was like, like I was boohooing like, it's she's coming to me. Because the, the first time they showed her when she really became, because the first when they showed her, she, was, she yeah. still looked good. Had her job as a nurse. But, you know, she still like, was a right, nurse, et cetera, right. et cetera. And then they showed her on the trap and she had, and she was in the car and she reminded me a little bit of Halle Berry and Jungle Fever or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Well, see, I was going to say, you know, because uh, there's, that, there's that? that little moment in the movie before you see her in the car. Mm-hmm. See, because like you never see her actually doing drugs at that moment in the car, right? Mm-hmm. True. But it's that moment where he comes home and his TV's missing. It's just, right. just a quick right. shot. Right. Quick right. shot. There. Right. The video game is still there, but right. yeah. the TV is out. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like, we ain't got to go through just all that subtlety. extra. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, yeah. It, 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 and that's just like a jungle fever yeah. when, when Gator was like, I'm taking a TV. Yeah. You yeah. ain't got to have that. We didn't have to have no quote unquote, okay, spoiler alert. For one of the characters, we didn't have to have a funeral scene. Just, mm-hmm. Stuff just happened. And that's yeah. how life is when you cut through. I think also when we talk about those static shots of like keeping the camera right there, I think stylistically it was important because it showed how that character was stuck in that place. Correct. I think if you had all that movement and all that, you know, cool cutting stuff, I think it would have taken away because that film forces you to sit in some uncomfortable moments and deal with that shit. Like the whole conversation at the in the first segment where the little boy asked, you know, what does the word faggot mean? Mm-hmm. And that was his first scene. That's little boy's first scene. That was his first scene that he did sitting at the table, no rehearsal. He just told him what he wanted to do, and that was his first line. That whole little part. The kids fucking killed it. But see, but see, see, here's the thing about it: is that the what people tell you. And this is why a couple, you know, a couple of sessions ago, I was Mm -hmm. hearing Tracy talking about the camera and why that's important and stuff like this because. If you look at a really powerful photograph, you can look at it for like two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's like because oh, they because mm-hmm. they've this because they've made a compositional choice of how can I say the most with this one frame, mm-hmm. and and I got to design it some way. And it's like Barry Jenkins did that in this because he's like, you know what? If I'm gonna get where my style is not to move a lot, right? I'm gonna have to find the angle, right? And the composition that tells the most story, and, right. I, and then I can leave it there, right? And I'm good with that. Right. And that again is I see that with these European guys all the time. I mean, there's a fascinating fucking movie that y'all need to see called "The Lives of Others." This this German film from mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. six seven years ago, 
and there's this other fucking crazy movie called The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant, <laughs> which is this like <laughs> he do remember everything. Wait, wait, he wanted, he liked me when you go to your little your your your, uh, your little indie foreign film places, uh-huh. and you go in there like I get my little booklet. What's coming up? I mark it in there. I come in there and get my good tea. Right. <laughs> Yeah. The good popcorn, the good tea. Because <laughs> you know they have all the lab, and you sit there. Oh my god! So yeah, so okay. So that movie is this German film from the mid seventies. It's about this woman who's a fashion designer. She is an affair with um, uh, her new assistant, and her old assistant st- is living with her. So hmm. it's just kind of like weird love triangle. But it's only told in like seven shots. Really? You know, just cameras moves a little bit. It's all told in one mm-hmm. room, pretty much, and it's all know. just. Moves around a little bit and right. compositionally, hmm. you stay because the performances, which the performances more in moonlight are right. so believable. Like mm-hmm. you don't feel any kind of artifice. Mm-hmm. Then you don't need to cut around, mm-hmm. and you actually get mad when you do because you're like, yes. what the fuck I, "Well, I want to sit back like, some more." Like because yes. they're doing stuff with their body that's beyond what they're saying or even their eyes, and that's like like the little kid, like like him and his boy were fighting. Mm-hmm. You're just like playing around the thing. It was like mm-hmm. there was so many cool little like that was cut around too much mm-hmm. the actual fight. But when they then were walking mm-hmm. back, you know, to the fight and after the fight, it was very mm-hmm. slow, and I was like. Yeah, and they just looked. Just yeah, just it was just a little subtle. Guys. Yeah, and I was like, this guy's like really. Well, speaking of looks, pushing it, pushing it hard. The one thing he tied in so well was starting with the young kid, Jerome. He always looked down, and then the next kid, as a teenager, always looked down. And then my man, at first, he was full of swag, and when something would bother him, Even he would down. look down. Right. I was like, God, it was so yes. subtle. Yes. It was so yes. subtle. But that's what tied all of them in and made you believe, oh, that's your own. Right. Well, you he's, he's right. The same, it's the so same, same character. So, right. Because right. right. it's one thing, you know, for an actor to figure out that, mm-hmm. that technique, that mm-hmm. trait. Um, <laughs> but the other two actors don't probably didn't come to that decision, you know what I'm saying? So it's like mm-hmm. interesting for him to be able to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. I need this to tie you all together because mm-hmm. you can't, because I can't ask a second guy to come up with something that's a behavioral quirk that he's going to develop on his own way of looking at that character that the other two, the other two mm-hmm. would do next. I think he hired the other guy, the older guy first, and then he cast mm-hmm. around yeah, him. You know, there, there's this really, I forget this guy's name. I'm going to say his name is Michael Chekhov. He's an acting coach, and uh, Anthony Hopkins always talks about him. And he has mm. this concept called the psychological gesture, mm. right? And he was, and Anthony Hopkins was saying that with every character he does, he finds some physical movement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that defines the, psych- it's almost like the psychology right, right, of the, the character. And he first mentioned he was like saying, you know, in that movie called Remains of the Day, because yeah. there was an interview where he's talking about that movie. He brought this up, mm-hmm. and he was like. This guy is so closed off. There's a mo- that always uh, you always see him put his hand up to block, mm-hmm. like really quiet like that. Mm-hmm. And he, and even when like when Emma Thompson's trying to kiss him and get like he's it's real subtle. Mm-hmm. And you and he's a, but he's rest, rest of the movie you tell that he's doing that because he can't let anybody in. Mm-hmm. And I was like that's so fascinating. So this guy Barry Jenkins again he gets a lot of dap for just the way he pulled this together. Yeah. Sad thing is is like I tweeted the film community. Hollywood needs to be shamed for letting this guy go eight years without doing a movie. I mean, but, from, but, from doing but, medicine, from melancholy. But in all fairness to that, uh, didn't mean to interrupt you. I right. just listened to him just yesterday on The Business, the podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was talking about, because he was there with his producer, and she said, and, and she started off, well, you know, how in the world did you make it after eight years? And, blah, 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 and she said, wait a minute, I got to stop you right there. She says, that's part of the thing. And, of course, Barry jumped in going, well, actually, it's kind of funny that people say that. 
you know, because she said, in essence, remember, they made the movie in 2008, 2009, whatever it was. It took a year of traveling all over the place, the middle of whatever it was called. Oh, Medis for Milk. Yeah, Medis for Milk. And then there was like three years that went by. But the three years that went by, he was in um, the Bay Area making, starting his own film company and started making all these doc- commercials right. and industrial films, industrial yeah. films and all, making great money. He was doing. He was actually honing his skills in that stuff. Right, right. So when this thing came up, she reached out to him. And was like, "Hey, I want to make another movie." You know what I mean? And he apparently is the guy. Every year, he's the one who does all the panels at Telluride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he met the people from Plan B when he made his first movie. Right. They came to Telluride. He just ran into them. Right. And, and kind of said like, this idea, this yeah. play I saw, and blah blah blah. And they knew who yeah, they yeah. knew the writer from the play. They had right. heard of him. They're like, "Well, shit." Was the play like it? Moonlight? Something about moonlight, moonlight makes black makes, boys look blue, or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, dark yeah, boys yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fucking great title. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but no, but see, I'm I'm not saying he wasn't. He was twiddling his thumbs for the eight years. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, you know, you got guys like Steven Soderbergh who could who, when he was making movies, is putting out almost two movies a year. You know, and you got so Spielberg does that, mm-hmm. and as all, and Spike Lee was kicking out a movie a year for for you know six seven years in a row, and, yeah. and there's filmmakers who aren't telling these massive type of films where it might be difficult to knock a movie out every year. Mm-hmm. That I can understand why you might go for a year, blah blah blah. But he's too talented to have. But to, he was writing movies. He was he had became an assignment writer. He'd written. Like four or five assignments for. Yeah, I mean, he had a contract. Look, look, I mean, look, it's just you know what I was talking with somebody the other day. I was watching this deep, this DP reel from this Czech guy, and mm-hmm. this movie came up with uh, the girl from Brooklyn and this other girl, and I was like, "What the hell movie is this?" With James Gandolfini, mm-hmm. and it was uh, Jeffrey Fletcher's movie, right? Okay. And I was like, "Oh yeah, like what the fuck happened to him after he won the Oscar from Precious? Like, <laughs> like what happened? <laughs> you know?" And I, I was curious to know, and I was yeah. like, "Okay, so he made this movie about these two young hitman girls in Brooklyn, like maybe a year or two after that, mm-hmm. and then he's been on assignments ever since then." Yeah. And then he did, and uh, he's, he's what you call it? He's the TV show. Uh, and then him. And isn't in here the one from um, I'm, the TV I'm, show? I'm not sure if he's if he's if he's. I thought he anything. was producing a new TV show. It might be. It might, but he's maybe producing it now. But what what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. I think my larger point is there's, there's a lot of really talented black filmmakers, mm-hmm. black writers, and it's like you get involved in doing things that don't allow you to that, that you don't work, and then you fall off the radar. I mean, look. There's a lot of people I know who are writing assignment work. Mm. I mean, and I, I read that, that Barry, that he works on the leftovers for a year. And that's fine and that's cool. And, and assignments, there's the worst thing about assignments. That's just not getting made usually. Yeah, trust me. So it's like, you know, <laughs> because know. it's like the, the process, it might get made, but it might be four years from now. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you should, could have like, a, a, your, your, your second project should be kind of ready to go. Once you finish the first one, if, once it pops, and I get you got to do a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but it's like the but but those white guys get that. Mm-hmm. Or if you're someone like you know like Colin Trevorrow, you do a small film. This you know I'm throwing you at Jurassic Park, <laughs> your Jurassic World as you. you <laughs> I'm giving you a four hundred thousand dollar film. I see you Jurassic Park. You know, I mean that's then you leave Jennifer Fang behind at Sundance. Yeah, you know, it's like okay, fine. So, but that's where I'm kind of like. Mm. I know that I'm not saying that Barry was like like the guy Ted Witcher. You know, who after what you call it, Love Jones is gone. But I'm saying that 
you there's other it's like his path is not it's just disappointing to me because it's mm. like I don't like it when filmmakers who are that talented. Yeah, we we're quirky and talented and got something get really enough, good, and then it's we like, don't. Damn it, dude! Like right. you know, just, like, right. the movie I mentioned, the the Bitter Trees of Petra von Kant, right? Because mm-hmm. this guy, a German filmmaker, mm-hmm. I think he died in his early thirties. He, he's I think thirty six or something like that. But he directed forty four films by the time oh, he died. Shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. and a ten hour miniseries. So it's like he you know in what? His car? If Is if that, people <laughs> if people want to get behind you, right. then run, right. do your shit. I mean, people forget that like Spielberg put out the first Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year, six months apart. Because mm-hmm. he was sitting there like he was editing Jurassic Park like in Poland at night when they were doing fucking Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. So it was like if you got if you're young enough, I get the time and the energy and the work, do it, do it. And I, it's I like, agree. I'm like, fuck, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. messed up. Yeah. yeah, you know. Well, I mean, I'm hoping that with Moonlight, the success it's getting critically, I don't know what it's doing monetarily. I didn't want to look because I didn't want to have my feelings hurt. Because I know when it first came out, um, like literally I was up here and I was like in one theater. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And then they had like a wider release. Like in San Diego, I think it's like in two theaters down there. But they're having like multiple screenings. In my regular spot I go to in Hillcrest, like they had like like three theaters full of it. I'm like, well, damn. You know, it should be in the major theaters too, not just the little indie spot, you know, with the overpriced popcorn and I think the, it's made like, the lattes. I was, I was checking something the other day about that. I think it's made like close to $4 million. If it, and if it made a million dollars. That's it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it cost a million dollars and it's close to $4 million, that's good. Mm-hmm. I feel like... There's been a lot promoting um, it, though. It, well, see, yeah. this is why, though. This is the thing I want to get to. Because the last time we were, obviously, Birth of the Nation hadn't come out yet. Right, or, right, right. And I feel that... This movie is is the the controversy around Birth of a Nation left a vacuum in terms of like what's going to be this big Oscar push so we can not have this Oscar so white hashtag again. Mm-hmm. And I feel that the main reason why they're pushing the promotions on Moonlight is because this movie should get the the best director not I think it should get director not, I, know, best screenwriting yeah it, sh- it, should, it get, should get it, it should, should get, get nominated for all of those yeah you know and the fact that Brad Pitt produced it means it's going to be it's it's got a higher chance than mm-hmm. most to get in the, the, the these top spots mm-hmm. because he's going to be like mm-hmm. no you're watching my fucking movie right. or I'm not mm-hmm. going to be in your movie next time you come call and me. I'm not walking the red carpet you know <laughs> shit, shit like that you right, know because right. I mean because why not use that power that right. he has it if you get so, that privilege and that power um, use it for your good that's your superhero power yeah but that movie I don't know I expect I expect it to uh, to do well which brings me which you guys have not seen yet what's up which is another movie that I think it's one of those those indie things that it's it's one to watch is the movie Loving that just opened up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, Loving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jeff Nichols, you know, wrote and directed it, and um, it was made before. What's, like, what's the, the premise of them? The it basically <clears throat> is the true life story of Richard and Mildred. Oh, Mildred's so funny because I have an aunt named Mildred. Uh, Richard and Mildred Loving, back in the olden days. By what year are we? In? I want to say this like the 50s. No, this is oh, the 50s. Oh, this this is like yeah. really 50s, recent. 50s, 60s. Uh, yeah, like so real this, recent. This is Jim Crow. Though. Like just like <laughs> okay. my grandmama's time, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. And um, basically uh, he's, uh, you know, they're living in Virginia. The husband's white. The wife is black. She's like the true story of the loving family, Mildred's side of the family. They were like a mixture of black, native, and, and white. So they were like mm-hmm. this kind of Creole mix. And there was a lot of that going on in Virginia sure. because you had all of those different groups of people. Because mm-hmm. one of the things they say in the film, which I'm glad they did mention, um, is the idea that there were so many people like like Mildred and, and Richard weren't the only couple like that. 
what makes them different and unique in terms of a white man marrying a black woman was the idea that they actually went and got married. They left to go to D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, she was pregnant, and they were in love anyway, so they went and got married. And then the law came in and put them in jail because they could not. It's the, the, the anti-miscegenation laws, which was like in the Constitution saying that people, basically white people do not want anybody else <laughs> polluting the bloodline of right. whiteness, which is what it really came down to. Right. Right. Okay, and that was a law. Mm-hmm. You could not marry anybody, you know, who I was don't not think it was from your name. In Virginia, until the seventies, right? Actually. And basically, this is a true story about this couple and what they went through to go all the way up to the Supreme Court. And basically, their relationship, with the help of the ACLU, was basically they struck down the end anti-discrimination. So, <laughs> what makes it? Powerful because it's one of those movies that's like Moonlight, where we talk about those slow burn mm-hmm. films, and this is where it's important in terms of writers. Like you can have a movie that kind of kind of plays slow, but it's got to be engaging. Like things. Let's have got to be what do you mean? When you okay, say when slow I say burn. slow burn, basically it's a it's it's slow. It starts <laughs> off slow. You think like if you're like sitting Queen there, if you're like, you gotta put that movie in its own category. Um, yeah, Queen Sugar. No, I mean it still no. doesn't change. It is good. Queen Sugar is slow. a slow burn too. Yeah. Basically, it's one of those ones there where it's it's a slow. It it things take a while to get popping. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage is slow burn then, and it's Luke Cage yeah, is a slow Luke burn. Is slow. It's a slow burn, um, but you can be a slow burn and not be slow and boring. Mm-hmm. You can still be engaging. Ways you can do that. The writing is top notch. The dialogue is popping. Mm-hmm. The actors are popping. Mm-hmm. And the so direction, direction mm-hmm. and just like literally when I'm watching Loving, because like I said, it's one of those things where when it starts, you're like, it's such a character study. I was so entranced by Ruth Nega mm-hmm. and, and Joel Edgerton. Like I, be- like I forgot that they were them. And I believe that these are those people, and it was just—it was just a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. And it's well, one he of those so different because because I, I kept I kept seeing the trailers earlier in the year. Um, I did not realize he had magical cheekbones. Yeah, like well, in, I mean, no, I mean, but you know, like see, I there's a French website that I look at trailers on because I want to see what movies are like playing in festivals and stuff like mm-hmm. that. They don't come over here. Um, and that's where I first saw it. You know, mm-hmm. it was pretty much all like in um, French. I think it was dubbed. Maybe it was maybe it was subtitled. But I was like, who the hell is in this movie? Like, I don't know this woman. She, I thought she was the girl. Like, I, I, I've seen her. I didn't know her name. Mm-hmm. I was like, who's the guy? Because Joe. Who's it? Well, because he Joe played, Edgerton. He played. He. <laughs> He's, he's Australian. The gods of he played the gods of Egypt. Yeah. He played one of the Egyptian dudes. He played Ram. No, no, no. But I'm not, but I'm not gonna put that on him. No, no he's no, a good he, actor. No, he wasn't in the gods of Egypt. No, he was in the other one. He the, was in um um the one Exodus, Christian Bale. He was in Exodus. Exodus sorry, yeah. and he played Ramses. He was still playing Egyptian. But like I, yeah, he was, yeah, he's playing Egyptian. Yeah, yeah. He's Australian. Gods of Egypt. It was in Egypt. Damn it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first thing I saw him in was this movie called Fighter. Mm. Tom Hardy about okay. MMA fighter maybe five six years mm-hmm. ago. He's a really good actor, really really talented. He's he was not- in, he was also in that one movie that came out a couple. I'm gonna say it's a couple. It might have been last year, but it was like the thriller where he was like best friends with Jason, Jason Brightman. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The gift, the, the gift. gift. Yeah, he was in the I, gift. Check I, out the gift. I think he directed that too. Oh, really? Wow, um, he's a director too. Hmm. Uh, that movie at yeah, least. Right. Um, um, but yeah, I mean the movie. I mean like loving to me looks like the type of movie. That I feel like in the last, the last 10 years has mm-hmm. disappeared, which is why I think this term, which is, I've seen 
this type of movie disappear mm-hmm. and the term like this slow burn on television mm-hmm. kind of appeared because we don't these movies of what television does now mm-hmm. but like you know I grew up watching films that that's what dramas did like dramas gave you super high stakes for those people right mm-hmm. may not be like serial killer on the loose may not be you know here comes the asteroid to the planet mm-hmm. but for those people it's like what the fuck is gonna <laughs> happen like what right. choice am I gonna make right because and those movies are always fascinating because even if you can't, if you don't abide by what they're doing, like you're like, I wouldn't do that. But the writing becomes really good mm-hmm. is that if you understand why the character was doing those choices and mm-hmm. don't disbelieve what they're doing, you're right. like, well, fuck, that's like, you know, uh, I get, and, and, and then you can understand certain choices that you might make in life. Cause mm-hmm. I think like cinema like that, which is not like television because television has a different kind of design with sure. it is that it's trying to make you understand certain things in your life that if you don't, that's why we love narrative because it helps yeah, us understand. Breaking shit. Bad was right. you slow know. burn. Right. Better Call Saul is slow burn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it could be yeah. slow, yeah. but it can still be, it can still pull you in and get you drawn. It in. It should life. pull you it in. Should, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's, it's the design of it is, you know, I'm going to take pull, our time. Like, mm-hmm. I need to pull you to yeah. fuck in. Right. You know, I right. mean, I think there's certain cinema like this, uh, you know, certain crime films would be kind of very slow burn like this. Then you would love. That's why I love them. Like mm-hmm. that movie Thief, which I just got on just got on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very slow. It's like nothing. I mean, it's like because you're learning about these people, right? You know, and if, and if, if I'm not like throwing knives at you or shooting at you and shit like that, all of a sudden it's like this movie's not interesting, right? But it's right. interesting that the people. You have to have the right actors. The right actors will make. Oh my god! The casting blow you. I notice that every year, everything, every year, because you know I'm on a couple of committees at the Writers Guild, so we always have you know the Mm -hmm. readings and stuff. And usually, I get to read them all. This is the first year I wasn't able to read them because I was you know working on that show. But usually, I read them all, and the ones that you choose or don't choose, I'm like, I don't see this being interesting to an audience, and then. Sometimes you pick them anyway because you needed to fill a spot or whatever, and you read, and it's sometimes the best one. It's just amazing mm-hmm. how the actors turn it around right. with 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 um, whether it's the tone of how they do it, whether it's the timing mm-hmm. and all that. They make it a little bit more comic by the way that they punched certain words or dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing to me to to see how something can be flat on the page. But the actors come in and completely change it. Well, well so, that's well, like when I first read the script. Crash. I did not like the script. Crash. You didn't like it? I, yeah, I wasn't crazy. about It, it was either. very stereotypical. It yeah. was very on the nose, and I was like, man, yeah. it's getting all this hype. And it was very non-active. And it, it was, was like, always Jackie's thing and stuff. But like once they got cast and started doing it, and I saw the movie, I was like, okay, the actors actually saved that totally. script, in my opinion. Totally. Crash the the crash. The, the, Paul, the, Paul, Paul Hoggins. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, okay, you know, so. I was reading this book by uh, Robert McKee mm-hmm. on dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a chapter in there where he he's talking about the book story. No, his new book his is new about, book. His new he book. He got a new book. Dialogue. He actually wrote a new book. Yeah, <laughs> it came out maybe like a month or two ago. Okay, um, it's all about dialogue. It's okay. just called dialogue. And he's, there's this moment in there where he's where he's breaking apart um, a scene from Frasier, mm. and I don't really know that show that well. Mm-hmm. I watched a couple episodes I of it, you know. Um, <laughs> And it's interesting way he breaks it down because he takes a scene and he just goes over the scene. Well, well, and he wants you to read it. Just read the, the scene. But okay. after every beat mm-hmm. in the the scene, 
he gives an analysis of what happens. So two lines, two, th- it's usually two lines, maybe three lines. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is what they were, we were doing here. So you understand how sharp your dog's gotta be mm-hmm. to, you know, it's really only two lines and it's like a whole new premise for what the actor's gotta do. And, and even so, when I, so I'm reading this scene and it's not really that funny when I read it, mm-hmm. you know? But, but if you picture Miles in the, but you, yeah, in the but, right. yeah, but when it was done, mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. And you, yeah, you hear, and when I hear their voices, yeah, the rhythm, you mm-hmm. know, I was like, oh, this is be fucking hilarious. Correct, they right. did it, you right. know, right. and that's right. tricky to do. Mm-hmm. But, but in reading it and was reading a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. you got to always kind of say, did they, the writer, put enough subtext, subtext, and like hidden intention, mm-hmm. even in these most innocuous lines. Mm-hmm. Because that's when the actors will like pull it out and just like you know, like you said, they'll they'll put this they'll they'll make it funnier. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll inflections, the, the inflections, right. the pauses right. between right. senses, they'll do all this kind of crazy stuff. Um, I mean, yeah, that's you know, it's hard to do, and mm-hmm. and actors have to be really skilled at like knowing they can pull that out. Because some actors don't ask you shit; mm-hmm. they just want you to like you know tell you it's on the page, and you're just kind of like I like you don't have the time as a director. To, particularly in a movie shit like this, like your boy Bill Jenkins got a lot mm-hmm. of that, is that, that, that you don't have time if you don't get a rehearsal to go through what every intention needs to be, and mm-hmm. you want them to like figure that out mm-hmm. and come to you with something like I got this, but here's just one part I need to give you clarification. Right. Sure, right. Sure. Right. And that's where like the writing has to be amazing, mm-hmm. you know. Well, the, I think the writing from Moonlight <clears throat> is amazing, and I think sorry to be chewing, I'm sitting here eating a Snickers bar, people. <laughs> You always eat. And I'm also, well, yeah. And, you know, and I think Moonlighting and Loving right now for the two films, um, until I see Hidden Figures that's coming up for Christmas, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Hidden Figures? What's Hidden Figures? The one about the black women at NASA. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. coming out this year? Mm-hmm. Christmas. Why do they call it that? Is it based on the numbers or something? In fact, they the were book, mathematicians it's based on, it's called Hidden Figures, mm-hmm. and it's like a play on words, like they're doing mathematics, okay. but they're hidden figures because they're the hidden ones. Uh-huh. They're the one. look, black women got us to the moon, bitches. <laughs> yeah. And we're telling you the story. They were mathematicians, they were smart, but so y'all were, never heard the story. There was yes. codes in there. So, important movie, go see it. They're solving the physics equation of the astrophysics, right. like how do we get the fuck off this planet with mm-hmm. the gravity? Right. I mean, that's what they're And telling. one of the best lines that I saw in the trailer was either we're going to go, we, we either go together or we're not going at all. <laughs> and I think that's so important with, with what's going on in America, especially mm-hmm. when watching Loving, because Loving really shows you how evil white racism really is. Like, and, and that's the subtext of that entire thing. These mm-hmm. people, all they wanted to do was be married, mm-hmm. raise their kids in the my country, own business. mind their business. <laughs> but racism says, I don't like that. And therefore, I'm going to go and fuck up your life mm-hmm. because I can. For Burn no reason. Witches. Burn For no reason. But, but see, this is the craziest thing about racism and stuff like that in no situations where the state is imposing on your Correct. life. Aren't Republican GOP motherfuckers the ones who say, you know... The state should be out of yes, like the top down is right. not for mm-hmm. them. They want us the individual individuals, right? And, and yeah, no church is and, and, and then yeah. they're the hardest ones, right. Who are saying, "Oh no, in our local community, right. let us put the Jim Crow down, right. let us right. do this kind right. of shit like that." And it's right. like it's the hypocrisy right. of right. the Republican. And what's interesting is because of the story, it's because it's coming from the viewpoint of this white man. Mm-hmm. Because one of the funniest scenes in the thing is one of the, the not to give anything away because it's. Yeah, that's new. It's not, whatever. But it's the idea that, you know, this white man who was raised around black people, like these white, black, native people, they've been mixing and living together for so long. And 
it, it was almost the moment he got married and stuff started coming down, it, it really said to him, you now you get to feel what it's like to be black. Mm. Which is, to me, kind of tantamount to what's happening right now with recent history, with people running around talking about they can't believe Trump got, oh, these terrible things are happening to us mm-hmm. now. It's like, oh, welcome to my world. Mm-hmm. Let me help you navigate. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that, that's true. Let me help you, you navigate. navigate. Yeah, because it, cause it's difficult. It takes, right. a, it takes a while to learn right. how to navigate. Now, right, he, right. You know, I was watching Bill Maher the other day, and, <laughs> and Thomas Friedman was saying something that, that – I never even thought of, but it's very interesting. Mm. He was saying, how many graduate and postdoc students from Asia, Africa, are going to want to come here now? Mm. And, and, and he said, you know, like the next Sergey Brin, the, the founder of Google, mm-hmm. is he going to want to come to the States now because we have this asshole in office who's, who's projecting this, I don't like your kind. <laughs> You know, when a lot of the people in Texas, <laughs> they married one. Valley, yeah, these people coming through, it's like, well, these people are not the coming it through. It never applies to them. It drives me bananas. We're not allowed to have people working in your house who are illegal. Every one of them got house cleaners in there who are legal. <laughs> you know what Everyone, I mean? Everyone, because they're trying and to keep their money. And then you go somebody who wasn't even here legally or whatever the fuck. It was just and we're arguing about jobs that they don't want to do anyway. She like, took nudie pictures. What president's wife took nudie pictures? Berlusconi. Okay. <laughs> Who? We're talking Berlus- about America. Berlusconi. Oh, <laughs> See, different- don't bring, don't bring up my family. These people <laughs> over there. <laughs> <laughs> no president that you just look, look. And your mistresses and stuff. That's not nothing. Like they, they don't care. Out, but no. But my thing is, outside of Michelle Obama, I don't know. Is there a first lady who will be comfortable taking a nudie picture? You know what I'm saying? No. Like, no. Ain't nobody no. going to be as pretty as she is. No. No. Nobody, no. no. Body. She's giving you Barbara arms Bush, and shit and shoulders. Barbara Bush is never, never getting that, ever. No. Not even when she's young. I mean, Jackie Kennedy could have did it. Maybe. <laughs> you know Maybe. what I mean? Maybe. You might have, too. <laughs> yeah. You're like, hey. You know that. Uh, hey, you never hey. You, you know something that we don't know. <laughs> Wait, maybe that's why he got assassinated. Yeah, like, look, nigga, I said, don't put the pictures compete. out. Don't put them pictures out. She was competing against Marilyn Monroe and them bitches. She, she was like, she, was, she probably she had to show had some shit. Okay. She had to. <laughs> just don't say. She had to do something. Had to you do know. something. Go with that half of one more again. Okay, look. <laughs> look. See that envelope? <laughs> <laughs> no, we riding with the top down today. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Them is originals right there. Anyway. Them is original. Anyway, good show, y'all. Yeah, people, please go see Moonlight. Go support it. Go see Loving. Um, learn about what you can do, you know, with indie films that are creative, that are just really just, I don't know, I, that literally, I, I saw the movie twice. Like, I went to one day, I, I like turned that. around and went back again and mm-hmm. I felt the same way each time I went out like literally had to sit in my car and cry and get myself together for all the little babies out mm-hmm. there who are going through that mm-hmm. whether or not you're gay or not just that whole idea of you not being free enough to be who you need to be and that's Let such a powerful thing. thing before we wrap up mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when we did our our, pa- our panel when we did our <laughs> screening the other night we invited Patrick Ian Polk who's also on our mm-hmm. in our committee um, from Noah's Ark and a bunch of other shows mm-hmm. Blackbird um, I'm gonna have him on the show. We we were talking about the other day. Um, we were talking to him about how 
Because, <laughs> you know, as a black gay man, he's like, um, well, why didn't they have sex at the end? Like, you led me all you the way You got these the two beginning. fine men. Look, look, look. Okay, wait. I know we're supposed to be in the show, but I look, know. let me tell y'all. That third act when they're in the restaurant talking. It was so The sexy. sexy oh, my God. I was it like, was if we. Tension. Oh, my God. Because it was subtext they were talking about. I was like. Oh my God. And it was all in the eyes. I was like. These oh, my God. I was like, can we please, can we get a nice sex yes. scene at the end? Yes. So unfair. And they committed to that. You know, that's true. But that's true. But here's the thing, and he said it too. I'll never forget. I think it was um, who's the famous David Mamet? Yeah. David Mamet's the big. I don't want to call him an asshole, but you hear he's an asshole, right? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Somebody said to him in a panel something about. I think I was watching. I was at a panel, and he was speaking, and they said, "You know, I love the movie where you did such and such. I love that one character, but then you killed them or whatever." And he was like, "He's like, I wish you would have brought them back or something like that." And he says, "No, I did my job. You know, now you wanted more." And he said the exact same thing. He says, "No, I, I did the right thing because right. I kept thinking after the first act when that, when <laughs> when your boy didn't come right, back, right. I was like, where's my man? He just gone from the whole movie all of a sudden. And I and then at the end he said, I went ah. He was like, no bitches, that was a chapter. That was a chapter. <laughs> that was a chapter. Man. Yeah. So I didn't need to see them mm-hmm. have sex at the end, but I wanted them to have sex, right. at the end. and that was the key, right? You know and I mean? think for the storyline itself too, like as a writer, mm-hmm. even though I just I love good sex scenes, but <laughs> I do. I have a compilation of like famous sex scenes from movies all over the world, like That's the hottest hilarious. scenes. Like these are the scenes you need to have in your rotation. Okay. Not that I'm saying it's pornography, mm-hmm. but it's sexy. You know, it's kind of like my, my take on cinema parodies where they have all the kissing scenes at the end when he clipped oh, all yeah. together. Mine says all the good sex scenes. Oh, <laughs> my God. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you just, that's not the story. The story is really about him being able to be himself where he needed to be. And even though it would have been great to have a sex scene, I think you're right with the, it. it they give you I the think you know they more. did. Well, no, and hopefully so it's on the DVD the, cuts. Maybe it's on the, on the cuts. Yeah. <laughs> Missing scenes, I don't think maybe. they did. No, no. I think he cut it. You're right. It's because, it's like I've seen. Mm-hmm. I walked out of the theater and that scene in the kitchen, mm-hmm. the, the second to last scene, I was like, mm. That's a scene that this movie, this, this, that would give this movie all the accolades that, yeah. that it is required. Yeah. And that's like yeah. the climax of the film. Right. Right. The, they don't have to have that physical climax, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there's also the whole. He thing. held them. That was yeah. enough. That, that was, was all enough. you needed. That's is all it, you needed. I mean, and also you also don't know if they have that sex scene, does it be, you know, is there a rating issue? And if there's a ratings issue, yeah. then the movie is like now not seen by almost mm-hmm. anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I don't know, but artistically, you're right. He, he, I, I gave you, I mean, cause you wanted that and you wanted mm-hmm. that as a filmmaker. It's like, you know, is there a sequel? Because that's why, I, that's why there's always sequels. There won't be one, but I think that, that, that's why we like sequels. Mm-hmm. We know exactly. So, oh cool. my God. Well, good episode, y'all. Where you at, Lisa Lisa Colt Jam? Oh, I'm always on Twitter. You can always find me in these Twitter streets. <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday Night Sci Fi with Geek Soul Brother and all of them. Um, you know, whenever they have Friday Night Horror tweets and stuff, bitch flicks. I haven't written in a long time. I've just been watching a lot of films and doing a lot of writing. So I'm hoping to get a lot more uh, film critiques out because there's so many good movies out there. Also, mm. shout out really quickly to my man, Ted Chang. Ted, mm. congratulations. What do you your, your, your movie, Arrival, mm-hmm. which is based on Ted Chang's short story, mm-hmm. The Story of Your Life, mm-hmm. uh, 
great movie uh, for really those people who really love smart sci-fi, cerebral sci-fi, who just like who not really about. Is that is that somebody a, you went to school with? Ted he Chang? was my teacher. Oh, that's who that was. Yes, okay, he's good. my teacher, my mentor, Ted Chang, and um, it's been getting great reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy Adams is in it, and Jeremy Renner, mm-hmm. uh, Forrest Whitaker. Oh, oh can yeah, I say so this? It's a good, it's look, a good look, trailer. look, Forrest Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Loki, mm-hmm. he was so sexy in this. Like he was on a small part of it, but it was like when he was in his military uniform mm-hmm. and he was coming up like you gonna do it. I was like, I never heard I want, somebody say. I want, look, listen, listen. When you see like the geeky, nerdy, like the mm-hmm. smart military dude, black mm-hmm. dude, and he was mm-hmm. just like, well, and, and Forrest has got that voice. Like yeah, he got a panty dropper voice. He mm-hmm. really does. Mm-hmm. I was like, if he came to my house dressed in mm-hmm. that military uniform. I would marry him. <laughs> he is so good in that. I would marry Forrest. I know you married to Keisha. Run, Keisha, Forrest. I apologize. Keisha, <laughs> Mrs. Whitaker, I apologize. But he was like, I was like, hey, Forrest. <laughs> Where you at, Chris? You can find me on Twitter at unauthorizedcbd or on my website, shadowboxercinema.net. What's up with Architects? What's going down? Can they see it? Or they got to yeah. link you to see it? Uh, hit you up to see it, right? They can hit me up or they can see it at uh, – oh, they can't see it because that website is down for some technical reasons. Um, actually, yeah, if you see Architects of Crying, the short film we did that's, that's won some awards, um, it's available on the website on okay. um, shadowboxercinema.net. You can see it there. Cool. That's what's up. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. Follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Um, any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Um, please go on iTunes, Stitcher, give us a five-star review. We really need that for the metrics. What? No, I was going to say, and shout out to all of us who are going to Indigenous NerdCon uh, in New Mexico next weekend. So all the Native folks, get your geek on. I'm excited. <laughs> on. I'm excited. Get your geek on. I'm planning on going. I'm, I'm, I'm coming out. So I want to hang out with all the Native folks and just be really nerdy with Native folk. Cool, so, cool, yeah. cool. Um, so, like I said, follow us. Um Follow us on Facebook. God, I gotta promote that. Oh, I'm so horrible at that. Um, we should have thousands of you people know, on there. It's ridiculous. Um, follow us on there. I'm gonna start putting more stuff on there. Um, what else? What else? What else? That's about it. That's all I got for y'all. Um, I do need to give you some more pages though. Um, <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk. Uh, so y'all know what's up. Y'all know how we're doing on the rant room. Everybody join in. On this show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? 2016. 2016. Peace, y'all. Ciao. Let the beast about the cage That light about the dark Can you build the inferno From a itty bitty spark Coffee shop hustlers Rise with the cream A million other writers Same Hollywood dream Your pen and paper All like bullets in the gun Write what you feel Say what you want In the red room We say what we say We do what we feel We gotta keep it real In the red room All about the crap So look, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get in. Mm-hmm.